Hi, this is Steve. One of the best things about doing The Cinephiles is turning people on to films they've never seen before. But that's also a heady responsibility. I mean, how will they react? Will people love these films as much as John and I do? Or will they think that we're absolutely crazy? There are certainly some films which created a fair amount of controversy and others that some of our listeners absolutely hate. But one film I'm not worried about is Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Now, I'm not saying that everyone will like it. No film can say that. And certainly for some, the barrier of entry might be quite high. After all, we're talking about a 66-year-old, black-and-white, three-and-a-half-hour period piece with subtitles. Certainly, that's not everyone's cup of tea. But if you love movies, if you care about craftsmanship and performance, composition, light, movement, if you can appreciate brilliant character development and story structure, great music, fantastic editing, then, like it or not, I don't believe you can watch Seven Samurai without some part of you being awed by the genius behind this great film. And if you haven't seen it, now is your chance to go to cinephiles.net where you can buy or stream Seven Samurai along with every other film we've ever reviewed. Then come back on Friday to hear John and I conclude our discussion of one of our favorite films of all time, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where we continue our exploration of The Seven Samurai. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca. I'm a uh, VO artist, voiceover artist, writer, producer, and host uh, over at my new outlet, The Outlaw Nation, and, of course, co-hosting on The Geek Buddies, co-hosting on The Top Ten Show. Um, and probably right around this time, maybe a little bit later, I'll be dropping my first uh, new episode of The Outlaw Nation, so that's coming back as well. Well, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and you'll be on it, Steve. I'm looking forward to talking about whatever it is you want to talk about. Yeah. It's nice to have an outlet to talk about things that are not necessarily film stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the side kind of benefits of this. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate situation being like, oh, is that I'm actually able to do even more now. Right. And that's, we'll see what it yields, what results it yields, but it's kind of exciting and scary at the same time, which most great things start that way or fail that way. So whatever. It's the outlaw unleashed. <laughs> Hey, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Um, And we have an important announcement. Yes. So it is at the beginning of the year, as you know, we always put out our listener survey to find out, for one thing, uh, what movie in 2010, because it's now 10 years we want to do. We're going to hold that announcement a little bit longer, but I think we know what it is. We also asked for the month of Kurosawa, what Kurosawa film they would most like to hear a commentary track on. And your answer was... Yo Jimbo. Yeah, Yo Jimbo. So we return to the samurai world and back to Chichiro Mifune for it's so it is it is in my mind one of the other great samurai films, but yeah. its tone is very very different from what we're in in Seven Samurai. Yeah, and we covered it already on the Cinephiles, but yeah. apparently this is like closing the loop on Yo Jimbo, where they want us to do a commentary track for it as well. Well, and you uh-huh. and I maybe we've changed. Yeah, we true. talked about it, and who know, I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. So yeah, I hate it now. That'll be next week. You'll hear our discussion, our commentary track of 
Yojimbo. Yeah. But today is not Yojimbo. Today we return to the world of Seven Samurai. We were at the intermission, which mm -hmm. was an easy place for us to take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, I think the tone is very different. When we left, Kambe had just asserted his authority as the general to bring this group together as an army, to say that the group had to work together as one, mm -hmm. that their lives depended upon it, that sacrifices had to be made. It was very serious. It was very heavy. And now we come back. Yeah. And it's harvest time. Right. It's a totally different tone. Yeah, and we get a glimpse into what these farmers go through, the rhythms, the patterns yeah. of being a farmer. And I wonder how much Kurosawa, how much research Kurosawa did in finding out like what the what the songs are that they sing when That's they're farming. The one I was curious about too. Right, right. All the rhythms, the patterns, how this who, like between men and women, who does what, those kinds of things. But of course, it's also brilliant in terms of pacing of the movie. Right, you you leave on a very harder note, you come back on a playful note to get people back into the feeling of the movie, smiling a little bit before the war, the battles start to happen and people start to die. So it's a smart thing to kind of lull you in a sense of complacency before they mess with your emotions. You know what just occurred to me? What's that? Is that when we talk about the great films, mm. like the truly great, greatest of all time movies, I think almost all of them have wide variations in tone. Mm. Like you think about uh, Kane showing up at the newspaper and how right. fun and funny that scene is. You yeah. think about all the humor in Lawrence of Arabia. You think about all the family stuff in The Godfather and all the the variation, the even romantic stuff within mm -hmm. The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Like, the, it, is that is that true? I'm just putting that out there right yeah. now. Or Casablanca is another one where there's comedic scenes and romantic scenes and pretty heavy scenes. I'll go even harder. Steve Schindler's List. There are comedic moments in Schindler's List. To balance out the very hard, right. dramatic stuff that's going to come, the very sad, heartbreaking stuff that's coming. There are moments between him and, and um, Oscar Schindler and uh, 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 Ben Kingsley that are sweet and f funny, and you almost hesitate to laugh, but it works within the construct of what Spielberg creates in that movie. I never, It never occurred to me before, but certainly within this film, because in Act 2, we are going to get to some of the heaviest, yeah. heavy, including one moment that I think is stunningly just brutal mm. and yet right now it is joyful yeah fully joyful the music and of course what else is happening is that kikuchio see i'm having trouble again <laughs> I, I worked it out last episode i'm yeah. gonna work it out again today <laughs> kikuchio he looks up and who does he see coming in to take in the barley the women the women yes the women mm -hmm. and he is excited yeah he goes crazy for this <laughs> he runs up to a woman hands her his big sword says give me that side i'm gonna do three times as much mm -hmm. harvesting as you and he just goes at it like an excitable dog i'm gonna do everything everything <laughs> you pet me later i'm gonna do all this but you pet me later he is so funny and you know what occurred this occurred to me. so one of the interesting things whenever we do two-parters is that there are things that occur to me in the week in between. Mm. And here's the one that occurred to me, is that in America, frequently, actors get typecast as a thing. Yeah. Like, you play the heavy. You play the funny guy. Mm -hmm. You play the best friend. Whatever it is. Clearly, that does not happen for Akira Kurosawa. Because mm -hmm. you look just at Takashi Shimura yeah. and Toshiro Mifune. You know, we, we're going to be doing Yojimbo. Yep. Think about Toshiro Mifune in Yojimbo. Right. Think about him in High and Low, in Stray Dog. Think about Takashi Shimura in Ikiru. Think about him, like, the, he. there is, what Kurosawa sees about actors that most American directors don't see, right. is that they can do other stuff. 
Well, yeah, and it's why you get someone like uh, Scorsese with with uh, uh, DiCaprio, right? Multiple different roles That's really that he true. can play to work uh, in the situation. Uh, and I think uh, Kurosawa was one of those rare filmmakers that was able to tra- to use these uh, really actors of note in multiple genres successfully. Because after these two, Tatsuya Danakadai, same thing, yeah. used in multiple genres as an actor. Yeah, I think, and that, and that's the thing. And you know this as an mm. actor, and I know this from working with actors, there are people that have a lot of different stuff in them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, you know where you see it the most, I would say, is with the one where we do it is that the comedic actor that's kind of grown a little older. Yeah, yeah. We suddenly put like Adam Sandler just now in Uncut Gems, which, which I loved. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I am oh. sure his performance. Just from the trailer, I yeah. can see his performance is stunning. Right. Like, and and somebody saw. Oh, you have this other thing in you. Mm-hmm. You know. But look at George Clooney. I mean, Clooney as well. Oh, he's with, yeah. He's a character actor masquerading in. And same thing, Brad Pitt. Both character as- actors masquerading in. Essentially, ingenue bodies and faces. Yeah. They're able, like Clooney and Siriana versus Old Brother, yeah, Brad exactly. Pitt and Burn After Reading, or True Romance versus what he does in harder films or more dramatic roles. Those are things are that are killing me softly. Things like that. Yeah. You see a difference in Pitt that is incredible to watch. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, one of the moments I love, by the way, is when Tashirma Funi walks up to Yohei and says, "Where have you been hiding these women?" And the smile that comes over Yohei's face. Because he's been terrified. Yeah. He's had one mug through the whole movie, and when he smiles, it is just awesome. I almost feel like Kurosawa said to the actors playing Yohei, he said, when anybody speaks to you, act as if they're speaking a completely foreign language, and you're just (laughs) smiling along and trying to catch up. Because that seems to be his face all the time. Uh, I love it. Amazing. And then, uh, and all the samurai are sort of smiling Mm. and happy, and this is, you know, this, this progression that he does very simply and very slowly of bonding these two groups that seem so diametrically opposed yeah. that they're starting to feel like family together. And in that spirit, Heihachi, who's become close with Rikichi, says, well, there are all these women here. Why don't you have a wife? Maybe you should have settle a down, yeah. Settle down. Rikichi's response, his reaction, is not what you'd expect. It's a storm away. Yeah. And everyone is going like, what What did you do? What happened? What's right. going on? Let me ask you a question. Does uh, Rikichi, we spoke about him in part one. He stormed off as well when the... the when he pulls out the kimono. Exactly. Was yeah. Heihachi the one who asked him about it when he... With the kimono? So Toshiro Funi is the one who finds the kimono. Right. But I, I think it might be Heihachi that So this him. makes so much yes. sense for what happens later. That they're laying the groundwork of this relationship between Rikichi and Heihachi. Um. And the other moment that happens is who the other woman that comes out is Shino. Shino, right. Yeah. And of course, Katsushiro notices. And of course, Monzo doesn't want Shino and Katsushiro looking at each other. Right. And the person who knows it is, uh, I can't remember his name now. It's the, the guy who I'm calling the sergeant, the, yeah. the ball guy. Goro- he, Gorobe, I think. No, no. Gorobe is the second oh, command. Sorry. It's Shichichiri. Shi- okay. Um, I, I ha- I'll find his name. It's That's written fine. down in here. Um, <laughs> this is. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the places I. Fi- it's, look, the, the reality is, yeah. I'm an American dude, <laughs> and I can. If the names were Frank and John, I remember them of easily. Course. And if the names are Japanese names, I have a hard time remembering I'm them sure, and pronouncing them. And I'm sure a Japanese person would have no problem remembering and pronouncing them. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but he notices this thing, and then we have a wipe, and everyone's looking for Rikichi. They can't find him. Yep. And they realize something's wrong with him, and they say to Heihachi. You really should go have a talk to that guy. Right. And we end up, it's guard duty. It's late at night. And Rikichi is on guard. And Heihachi comes up. And he says, have a seat. Let's have a little chat. Yeah. And he tries to get him to talk. 
He says you shouldn't bottle things up. You're obviously angry about something. It's better if you talk about things. Imagine that conversation in the 50s. Yeah. Just think about that. That is a great point. I mean, mental health and psychology and psychiatry doesn't really grip America till the 80s. But here is 1950. Of course, there were jokes about in the 70s or 60s or whatever, but like really isn't a thing in the 80s and 90s. But you look at like the 1950s, this guy is saying to him, hey, you should really talk about your feelings. You shouldn't let it bottle. You shouldn't let it sit inside you. You should let it out a little bit. It's phenomenal. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because I wanted to talk about this mm. too. So I would say that, so Freud's the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And so in the 50s, it was starting to happen. Mm. It's surprising that it's made it to Japan to me fair but here's what's here's what so i you know i listen to all the commentary tracks i watch all the docs i can see i read whatever i can mm-hmm. in the time that we have every single commentary track documentary mentioned this and said this was anachronistic that that ah. we were doing modern no the no samurai people and peasants <laughs> would talk about their feelings in this way this didn't really right. make sense and i'm watching it going bullshit <laughs> like I like there seems to be and I've seen this a lot in, in kind of historical perspectives on mm-hmm. stuff like one of the there's there's people that talk about about the fact that romantic love didn't exist until the 1700s that that until the the romantic novels started to be written that people or maybe it's you know Shakespeare that's the late 1500s mm-hmm. early 1600s that we start talking about these things and these were never really talked about in terms of that people didn't really feel those things what marriages were arranged and so on. I was like and I'm always like, no, people felt stuff. Yeah. Like, yes, the society, did, maybe they felt it on a smaller level and we mm-hmm. didn't talk about it the way we, you know, today we talk about you have to find the perfect person and there's right. some perfect person out there. And to some degree, I think that's bullshit. But but like the, the idea that people didn't feel these things, mm-hmm. the idea that people in 1583 Japan or whatever year this is, 87, I think, didn't actually have emotions about their you know things terrible things that had happened to them and that they didn't talk about them and they didn't feel better i mean confession within the catholic church is a tradition for thousands of years you know like the idea that if you have a thing you got to talk about it that's a real that exists for a long time yeah and how do we know that people didn't write about this stuff and were like rejected by the editors of the time whatever whoever was in like you know even going back to cave Man paintings, maybe someone, uh, the leader of the tribe, or that she was like, no, 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 that's uh, too, that's too, uh, too, <laughs> too emotional, yeah, too emotional, too, too weak. You know, the idea of emotion equal weakness, all of that kind of stuff. It could have been going for many, many years, many, many centuries uh, of in our existence, and that stuff wasn't allowed to be until the 1500s or whatever. So I agree with you, Steve, thoroughly. People felt this. They may not have like expressed it in a public way, but people felt this. Well, and can we say it would, it would be extremely unlikely for a farmer to talk about his feelings with a samurai? Right. Yes, that would be extremely unlikely. Possibly, yes. But does that mean that it never happened? Right. You know what I mean? Like the the that that's where I always the people people often try to, you know, like you'll hear someone say like Oh, a, a rich man would never do that, or right, a black right. man would never do that, or a or a mother would never say that. It's right. like, well, no, people are different. All sorts of things happen. We might say on average that would be unlikely, right? But not that it wouldn't happen. I don't trust scholars when it comes to emotions. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. I just don't. That is a great, great line. I I think that is a real truism you just uttered right. there. Um, but the thing is, he doesn't get anywhere. Mm. Rikichi says nothing. Um, uh, it's later, the samurai are sleeping and Kambe gets up with Garobe and he's like, okay, 
let's go do our rounds. Yeah. And they look over at Katsushiro and like, <laughs> should, should we wake him up? And he says, Shino in his yeah. sleep. As they're walking away. Yeah. And they go, oh, you know, let the boy dream. Yeah. He's a kid. And they head out. And Gorobe says, well, where should we go? And he says, well, obviously, we should go to the place where we're the most worried. Yeah. And that is Kikuchio's station. Right. And how's Kikuchio doing on guard duty? He is fast asleep. Fast asleep. With his samurai sword far away from him. Yep. In comparison to where it needs to be. Yep. And and this is the thing. And I think, does he have the ability to be a great samurai? Yes. I think he does. Sure. Does he have the training? No. No. Or the temperament. No. Right. Well, and to some degree, temperament comes from training. Yes. I mean, like, yes, we are born with a certain temperament, but you you had the stern samurai making sure you kept awake, punishing you when you didn't, putting you through these exercises. Yeah. Your temperament, sh- I mean, you, you, you went through basic training. Yes. Did absolutely. your temperament shift? Yes, it yeah. does. It has to. It has to. In order to survive. You have no choice. Right. But he doesn't have that training, and so what does Kanbei do? Take the samurai sword, they hide it. Then they wake him up uh, uh, and have him flailing around. I love how he reaches afraid. behind him yeah. for that sword and can't find it. That's what you would do as a human of being. Of course. You're like, it's, I know where it is, so I'm going to back up slowly and then I'll swing around. Wait, wait, it's not there. Then he's going to... I mean, it's great uh, physicality that Mifumi oh, sure. has here, once again, like an animal without yeah. protection. Um, and he grabs a log and he's yeah. ready to fight. And up comes Kambe who says, you're lucky it was us. If you we were bandits, you'd be headless now. Mm. And he tosses a sword and he walks away, and Kikuchio drops to his knees because he knows. This is the change in Kikuchio, right? He was defensive, he was abrasive, he was aggressive, he was combative. And as he becomes incorporated into the group of the seven more and more, he defers, he respects, he takes his lessons and his punishments uh, as they come. And I, I found that to be such an interesting thing to discover again rewatching the film. He, he 100% does. And unfortunately, each lesson comes late yeah you know later and later i mean like that's i mean well and this is how lessons come yeah i mean this is you know i think about it as a parent i think about it as a teacher like today i'm going to have to talk to a student about a thing Mm. and most people don't learn you have to take the knock to learn that's for most of us you're not ready to learn the lesson until you're ready to learn the lesson yeah well and the thing is is until you really see the consequences exactly you know you probably aren't going to learn it yeah um but he's learned this i don't think he's ever going to fall asleep on duty again i think he's learned this lesson yeah uh we're out plowing the fields there's a horse (laughs) kikuchi notices the horse Mm -hmm. it's yohei's horse i think yohei for as scared as he is is clearly an important dude in the village yes he is yeah um and Kambe and Grobe are kind of watching all the work, and they say, "Okay, we're you know we're gonna have to flood this area," and they do, and we we flood the area. We've got these bamboo spears that are sharpened for defense, um, and yet in all of this preparation for war, we have kids singing and playing, mm. and the the peasants are now beating the grain, and one of them says, "Why aren't the bandits here? Yeah, wouldn't this be a waste if they never came?" I love that line mm-hmm. because it is exactly how you would feel. How human beings, some human beings rather, would feel about it. <laughs> oh, we wasted all this money for what? Yeah. And then, of course, another human being steps in and goes, you idiot. Yeah. You, you don't want the bandits the to come. The best thing is yes, that the bandits yeah. don't come. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Tashiro wants to ride that horse. Yeah. 
the scene again. It's the comedy, right? And everybody watches. He gets on that horse and he gallops off, and and the samurai are like, "Hey, he's riding pretty well." And you go behind a building, and the horse comes out the other side with a limping Toshiro Mifune chasing after and swearing after. It's a great, great little bit, and the farmers are all laughing, and the samurai are all laughing, and this is like we've come together. Yeah, we are one. We are one unit now. We've become one happy army at this point. And now we hear uh, one of the samurai says to Kambe, you know, some people are saying the bandits might not come. And he says, a tempting thought. But when you think you're most safe is when you're most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Put them in their places. I wrote that down in my notes. Yeah. Uh, For my life. Oh, yeah. When you think you're most safe, you're most vulnerable. Yeah. It is. I mean, you've heard my theory before of this is why old people drive slow. Yeah. Is that when you're young, you're like, you're obviously invulnerable. Right. Drive 100 miles an hour, climb that cliff, jump off that thing, take all sorts of drugs and drinking and stay up late and do all sorts of stuff because you haven't seen the consequences. Right. By the time you get to our age or 60 or 70, you've had people get hurt and died Mm -hmm. and go to jail and, you know, divorce and a whole bunch of crap happen. And so you're like, the world is dangerous. <laughs> we have to drive really slow. We really can't. Something bad can happen at any possible moment. <laughs> Katsushiro and Shino are in the woods. Yeah. The music is beautiful. The lighting is beautiful. The scenery is beautiful. Yeah. And she sits down and he sits next to her and lies down in the flowers. And she looks down at him and says, I'd wish I'd been born into a samurai family. Uh, if there's not a statement of love, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he says, you know, we say like a farmer's life is cruel. And he says, my life has been so easy. I feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Boy, he's learned some stuff. Yep. I think. Yeah. Because he thinks, and this is what's such good writing. What she's saying is, I wish we could be together. Mm. And what he is hearing is life would be easier if I had been born into a samurai family. Interesting. I don't know if I 100% agree. I think she's saying... I wish I'd be born a samurai because she wouldn't. Ha- so she wouldn't be a farmer. Wouldn't have to live this life. Wouldn't have to be a slave to the system that she's currently in. No, so but that's that, interesting. But her next line is, "That's not what I meant." It's because you're a samurai. Yeah, I'm a farmer. Right. He, she's saying it's because we can't uh, be together. Okay. But there's and no he, female samurai, so it's weird. Well, but she, you could be in it. But she could marry a samurai. She can't. This she farmer can't marry a samurai. Family. Okay. And and by the way, there are female samurai. There are. Oh, oh absolutely. Ta- oh, fantastic. Yeah. In fact, they were trained. The weapon they would normally train with is the naginata, which was like a big pole with what essentially is a katana at the end of it. Nice. And you could look at. There are. I mean, the, there are definitely uh, uh, different roles for women and men within samurai culture. All right. Well, I'm going to write that now. Seven female samurai. Done. <laughs> done. done. So you heard it here first. <laughs> Copyright <laughs> two, yes. 2020, the Sin Files. Um, John Roca. Sorry. I don't mean to <laughs> no, take no, credit. No, it's please. Yeah. And then this next moment happens is she throws herself down onto the ground mm-hmm. and she's breathing heavily, heavily. And she looks up at him and she starts crying. She's ashamed. And then. He doesn't do anything. Right. He doesn't know what to do. Right. He doesn't know what's happening at this moment. Welcome to female emotions. And, guy. Then, and then she starts laughing. Mm-hmm. And then she covers her face and she says, coward, act like a samurai. Yeah. And this is this is a whole weird moment because this is all. Of, this not, is a weird moment, but I find it fascinating. Yes, absolutely. Because she is essentially surrendering herself to him. But she's surrendering herself in a way that she isn't sure why she's doing it. She's just frustrated about her condition and her situation. So 
the laughing is almost maniacal because she has no way out and it's frustrating her. And it must be a rite of passage for a lot of young people in a farming village who get a taste of what the outside world can be and can't do that. You know. Well, well here's what I say. So she, her mom is we assume, dead or gone yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. She's raided by Monzo, who is not the most touchy-feely of dudes. No. And particularly in this era, I'm going like, what does she know about sex? Right. I think the only thing she knows about sex is that the bandits and the samurai want to rape you. Yes. That's that's what Monzo has told her over and over and again. And now she's fallen in love with this man. And he is a samurai. And she doesn't know anything about how anything is supposed to work. Right. And so she lies down and says, coward, act like a samurai. Mm. I think she is asking. She wants to make love to him. But she mm. doesn't have those that language she doesn't right. have those words she doesn't have anything else all she knows is that that this guy is supposed to take her by force mm-hmm. and so she is afraid and excited and in love and emotional right. and he is looking at this going like what do i do yeah and they're both young people right he has no concept about how to handle this and obviously she's going through a range of emotions that she has no idea oh, how yeah. to control either so yeah and then just in this moment where maybe something is about to happen what I find interesting, first we hear the horse. Yeah. They don't hear it. And what is so great about that is if you heard it right away, if they heard it right away, you deny the audience the oh shit. Mm-hmm. If we hear it and they don't, we have a moment five seconds long of, oh shit, right. the bandits are here before they do. Right. But then they, of course, hear it and they run up and it's beautiful. Again, saying the shots is beautiful. It's totally redundant at this point. But them running up through the woods, through the brambles, and the, there's like a long shot and the camera tits down and there's the horses in the foreground and they're in the background and they see it and they run away. Mm-hmm. And we wipe to Shichiroji. There's the guy's name who I couldn't remember. Shichiroji uh, enters and bows with Kambe and says... You know, three suspicious characters are spotted in the woods. I love this whole sequence. Yeah. Kambe goes, well, do the villagers know? And he goes, not yet. Um, and he says, good. We can't, you know, we don't want to sound the alarm. We want to stay quiet. And in walks Katsushiro. Oh, run, in, run. Runs Katsushiro. Katsushiro freaked out. Yeah. And he says the same thing. And then in runs Kyozo. And he says, so they're here. And Kambe's like, well, how do you know? And he says, well, how could I not? This one here was in such a panic. Yeah. And then the next moment as we're figuring that out, in watch Heihachi and Rikichi, because now clearly everyone knows. Yeah, everyone. everyone knows. They run outside and the villagers are all running around. Everyone's sort of in a panic. And Kambe's like, look, they're probably scouts and we can't let them report back. Right. And they rush out to where they are. And uh, Toshiro is now also here <laughs> Heard that there's these guys are coming and he is excited. Yeah. Grabs a big sword, says, Where are they? And Kambe and our samurai are quietly moved into this house. I think this is on the west, and they're observing the scouts who are on the outside of the fence. Mm. And we're like, Okay, we're going to quietly take them out. They don't know we're here yet. We have to not let them know that samurai are here. Right. And who walks in loudly? <laughs> Kikuchio, yeah. where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> like, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and and we go too late they've seen is the bandits all run away mm-hmm. uh and kambe says if they report back that samurai are here we're finished and kyozo without missing a beat says i'll kill them yeah the mountains are my territory and he's gone there's never a moment with him of right. decisiveness right you know and kikuchio's kind of going sorry and kambe says we'll make up for it by getting one yeah and then katsushiro wants to go mm-hmm. he goes oh you can go but only to observe right uh, and off they go, and they get to where the horses are, and Kyozo tells Katsushiro to hide, which he does behind a tree, 
And Kyozo asked uh, Kikuchio what he's going to do. And Kikuchio goes, who, me? <laughs> Climbs up a tree. And what does Kyozo do? Just sit quietly by that tree. Almost asleep. Yep, patiently. I want, there's a moment in Signs of the Lambs where the, 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 the nasty psychiatrist is talking about Hannibal Lecter killing someone, and he's describing the horrific things that he's doing. He was on a heart monitor, and his heart, mon- heart rate never went above 80 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. What do you think Kyozo's heart rate is as he sits beneath this tree? Even lower than that, probably. It's like 50, 45. Mm-hmm. Well, because he knows this, he'll make uh, quick work of these guys. They're no challenge to him, but he's also been in so many of these places. He know, it's, also, it's almost like a eyes awake meditation. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, because that, that, you know, meditation and Zen and yeah. quietness, they're all like sitting quietly, lowering your breathing, lowering your heart rate. I think he goes immediately into that state. Yeah. You know, of just peace, quiet. You know, completely awake and completely not expending energy whatsoever. Yeah. And Kikuchio, on the other hand, is up a tree, <laughs> looking around. Yeah. And we and we have the shot. And again, so we have a shot behind Katsushiro as he is observing some of this. What's so brilliant about this shot is it has a very limited range of view. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a wide-angle shot. Mm-hmm. We can't see very much. And that makes us more scared. Yeah, but I also think what's brilliant here, Steve, is the framing is also conveying the emotion. The down emotion of mm. of uh, what's the character's name again? Kyozo of Kyozo versus uh, Toshiro Mafuni being up in that tree. Right, his high his emotions are high. Homie's emotions are low and chill. So it's almost like yep. conveying what's actually happening with both of them right. internally. And Katsushiro looking between the two. Yes, yeah, you know because that's the two ways to go. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 on on a lot of levels, I think he loves both these guys. Yes, for different reasons. You know, mm-hmm. like he admires Kyozo. Like you know, that is the that is the ideal. Yes, but Katsushiro is brave and aggressive yes. and outgoing and extroverted and you know free in all these ways that Katsushiro and his very probably controlled upbringing is not. Yeah, you know, and the bandits come up, and Kyozo he's up, kills one on the draw instantly. <laughs> Chases the other guy to a tree, kills him, you know, super fast. Yeah. <laughs> then Kikuchio drops down on that other guy and just starts beating the crap out of him. Just starts pummeling him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wipe two, we're in the village, that bandit is hogtied, and the farmers are going nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is the representative of probably years of destruction mm-hmm. and violence and rape and... You know the the starvation on their part because mm-hmm. they're losing their food, and this guy is it, and they want to rip him to pieces. Yeah. And like a mob, it's a mob. Oh, a hundred percent. And Kambe says, "No, this guy has surrendered to us. He's given us information. Mm-hmm. We cannot kill him." And all the samurai are holding these people back. Rikichi is like, "Good to go." Yeah, like he wants to kill him. And then in all this case, this is what Kurosawa does so beautifully over and over again. All the chaos and all the loudness and all the stuff suddenly silence. Yeah. And there is the old woman, the grandmother, whose son was killed. And she's carrying like a farm implement. Um, and she's walking forward. That's insane. It's such a beautiful image. She's almost, I mean, and when we see that scene with her and the rice and her talking about her pain in the first yeah. section of the movie. It's almost like uh, Kurosawa is showing you what he's going to do later in Throne of Blood with the witches. She's almost witch-like in that way. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when she shows up walking with the hair and she's old and that prong that has more 
uh, I don't know, more prong, that whatever the farming tool is, has more prongs on it that she has teeth in her mouth. She's coming to have her, and it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Because she's an old lady, what is she actually going to do? But it's the symbolic nature of getting some measure of revenge for the years of pain she has suffered from the death of her son to, at these right. bandits. And probably a lot more stuff. Yes. You know, probably a whole long list Well, they of said stuff. her whole family was yeah. dead, and she's the only one alive. And the samurai who have been saying, no, we can't let yeah. him go, we can't let... They stand aside. Yep. Rikichi runs right in, and then everyone else just comes in and just destroys this guy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, we talked about, it's come up lots of times on the podcast, is that this idea that I learned from my sound teacher that in order to have, David Bondalevich, I'll give another shout out, mm -hmm. is that in order to have loud, we must have quiet. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things we don't talk that much about Kurosawa is sound design. And I would say that it's the sound chaos and the physical visual chaos that we've seen in the scene moving into the quiet mm -hmm. and the simplicity that gives this its emotional weight. And there's another moment that's coming later on in the film that I think is very much like this. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it when we talked in our podcast about mm -hmm. Kurosawa, about Ron. About Ron. That moment when we go from music into in that huge battle into realistic sound. Mm -hmm. And it is so... And clearly, Kurosawa gets this on just like a deep, deep fundamental level. Yeah. And this is like... This is the master filmmaker stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not just the gorgeous shot, although the shots are gorgeous. It's not just the great performances or the great script. It's the details in the editing and the sound design and the and the conceptualization of this moment. Chaos and loud right. to simplicity and quiet. And that's what makes it hit you like a wallop, which it does. Mm -hmm. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, yeah, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Um, we have a meeting. And here we hear what we learned from this this bandit they captured, which is they got some hideout somewhere. There are probably 40 of them. And now the big question becomes, okay, we know where we are. We could do what we would call a sortie and go out and attack them. Or we could just wait where we're safer. And the big thing is like, yeah, we could probably get a bunch of bandits, but we can't afford to lose one samurai. Right. And again, it's Kambe's leadership. He listens to all of his officers. He rubs his head. Mm-hmm. And then he says, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And Kyozo and Heihachi with Rikichi as guide are going to go. And then 
Kikuchio wants to go too. Right. And they go, okay, well, you could use Yohei's horse. Because <laughs> we captured some horses from the other samurai. Right. Because he's obviously the only person who could master that steed. And now we get, as they ride off, another great piece of comedy, which is we see the three horses go by fast. And then we see Tajirmafuni on that nag. Yeah. Trying to keep up. <laughs> the nag stops. He can't get him to go. He jumps off. He's swearing at it. He slaps it on the rump. The horse takes off. And then I love this so much. Makes me laugh so much. Tajirmafuni. Funny running after saying, I'm sorry, I apologize. I apologize. Yet another lesson for him to learn. Exactly. That's great. (laughs) The camera tilts down from them riding down to this waterfall, and we see them sneaking up, and now we've reached the bandit's hideout. I love this set piece, by the way. Amazing. Right? It's great set design. It's weird. It's Mm -hmm. so different from what we've seen in the movie up until this point. There is no vegetation other than these dead trees roaming that are right there in the water. And it's just this thing in the middle of the uh, this valley and this rock and stone yep. thing. And this Whoa. building built into the into in, the mountain. Yeah, right exactly. Now, which, And by the way, we should say, which we didn't say in the last episode, mm. all of this is built. Yes. This is not found sets. And this is all built completely. Kurosawa really believed that that great sets and detail makes the performances better. Yeah. And so it's not, they didn't just build one side of a building or build an exterior. Everything is built a hundred percent realistically with those techniques and the buildings are complete. And this was too, the only thing they built some of the mountaintop, I believe out of tin above it to like kind of make that shape. Yeah. Um, And they build this underneath and it's, it's obviously very, very early in the morning and we sneak up and kind of look through the, the wooden slats in the building, and we see body parts. Yeah. And I don't—I'm sorry—I don't mean to say like disconnect. I mean we see no, no. legs and people asleep. We see, oh yeah, in various stages of undress, and some of them are women. Yes, and they look in, and Toshiro Mufuni is excited because he's—I think he's titillated to some degree yeah. by what he sees. You know, because we talked about right. why did he become a samurai, and I think part of it is women. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly his desire to find girls. I mean, not that yeah. for a young man to be interested in women is not an unusual thing. Right. But like here he looks into this thing. He sees all this stuff. And he's the guy who comes up with the idea. Let's light it on fire. Right. And kill them when they come out. And the samurai, the other two seasoned samurai agree. Yeah. And that's yeah. it's a really interesting moment for Kikuchio to be able to suggest something. And the other seasoned samurai go along with it. Yeah. And so, and then what happens next is so I think this movie goes next level in this scene. Yeah. Because and, and it goes to a place that's totally unexpected and so powerful mm. and so weird and sur- not surreal but like Yes, I would say that. Yeah. Because it mirrors what happens with the, and he has this tendency and I want to explore that with Kurosawa. What is his like tendency to go to almost these theatrical yeah like uh, yeah yeah because then you have uh what we find out is rikichi's wife kind of get up and stare at this flame what is why is she staring at this flame what are the thoughts in her head we put that on as an audience as we're watching her in this situation well, is because she thinking about shame or is she missing her home is she going crazy those kinds of things well, we have to assume that she's been here almost a year I'm sorry, at least a year. Right. Because we know that when the bandits showed up, they said, oh, we can't, we we stole their rice next, last last fall. We can't wait until, we can't come back until after the barley. Right. So at least it's been nine months to a year. It could have been three years. Right. Where she has been a slave, a sexual slave, 
you know, repeatedly raped by these bandits. Yeah. So what, when she sits up, what her world is and what her life is and what her mental state is, and then she looks over and she sees something and she recoils at first, and it is the fire. Yeah. And then what's so remarkable, she should scream, no. hey, fire. Right. But she doesn't. Mm -hmm. She go. you could see on her face that she goes, yes. Almost a maniacal, almost a mania in yeah. her face. But what is also interesting here, Steve, is she's fully clothed. Everyone else is lying about in various stages of undress. Is she the leader's woman? That is a great question. Right? Because she's possible. off by herself. She's in a separate kind of uh, curtained area, see-through curtained area, and she's fully dressed in her kimono or whatever she's wearing. And when she rises, it doesn't fall off of her. So she still has a level of dignity here. And she stares at that flame. And then when she sees the fire, you can think to yourself also, does she think in her head that she manifested the fire by staring at that flame mm. to get her out of this condition. And so when the mania goes over her face, is she almost crazed at what's happening? Well, and I think, I like that you said dignity, because mm. despite everything that's happened to her, and despite the fact that she probably is in many ways broken, yes, there's tremendous strength and dignity within this character. Yep. And by the way, the music, which is this ethereal flute and right. drum that is very, it's mystical, it goes into this deep deep feeling mm -hmm. you know it is not we're not in an adventure film right now yeah we're into some heavy heavy stuff mm -hmm. and otherworldly and this crazed crazed look comes over her face and the samurai our three samurai are just watching yeah they're just looking in and then rikichi comes rikichi comes forward because he's obviously the guy that started the fire yeah and the women start to pour out of this place and the guys who are mostly in loincloths start to run out because the building is on fire and our samurai just cut them down. Yep. And there, I will say, there is nothing that feels heroic in this scene. Mm. You know what I mean? These are the bad guys. Yeah. And they have raped and killed and they deserve what they are getting. But I don't feel like, yeah, <laughs> that's not how I'm feeling watching this. Right. Well, I think having that scene with the with the woman, Rikichi's wife in there, doesn't let you feel that way. Well, and they're unarmed and we're cutting your, killing them from the behind. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm, I don't have a problem with <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. But I agree. There's not heroic. But it doesn't feel, I'm not thrilled. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, let's get them. Right. I feel like this is what is the right thing to do. This is what's required. Yes. At this moment, you know. Yeah. But it's not fun to watch right. for me. Um, and they kind of chase them into the stream and they're kind of cutting these people down. Yeah. And we feel, I mean, what I will say is like, this we're winning. Yes. This is a great plan. Everything is working out. And then Rikichi looks up and he sees something. Well, they run behind the rock. Right, right. They hear a gunshot. Mm. So they don't want to get shot because they know they have yeah. muskets. And then, yes, Rikichi sees something. And he stands up and it's this woman. And this is the moment, this is the moment I would say where you go, Oh, that's his wife. Yeah. Because it's been well set up mm -hmm. between the kimono and you should get a woman and Rikichi not talking about it and being angry. Right. And we go, oh, no. And he runs to her and she sees him and the terror on her face. Because I think at this moment she was free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But to become face to face with what she sees as her, her humiliation, her yes, shame. Her shame. Yeah. Her embarrassment. Even though, of course... It wasn't his fault. It's, no, it's not her fault. She, right. I mean, this is a woman. Her who fault, was, rather, yeah. Yeah, she was attacked in table. It's not Rikichi's fault. Nobody's fault. Yeah. Except the bandit's fault. The bandits. You know, and yet, and what does she do in this moment? She turns and runs into the flames. Right. It is just 
a stunning, mm-hmm. horrible, painful, difficult moment. Mm-hmm. And he tries to chase after her. He can't, and he can't. The flames are too much. So let's talk about this fire. <laughs> so uh, the, this was a real fire. They really burnt this place down. In general, when you burn a big building down, you're only going to do that once. Right. Uh, Kurosawa, which he liked to do, he had a lot of cameras on this. And he had his stunt guys, and they set up the fire, and uh, they put gasoline on the wood and on the building and set everything to burn. And then we were waiting for the fire trucks, because you don't want to have a big fire in the woods without some fire trucks standing right. by to put out the fire to make sure everything gets, uh, you know, stays under control. So Kurosawa is saying, it, while they're waiting for the fire trucks, do we really put enough gasoline and so he and his guys <laughs> go and spray more gasoline oh, over everything. And this fire was big yeah, and really hot and really scary. And apparently when the actor playing Rikichi ran to go, the, the woman goes in and she has kind of a safe place to go to. Mm-hmm. And she drops that piece of her kimono, which apparently burst right into flames. Holy That's crap. how hot this was. Wow. And Rikichi runs in after. And as he yells and then inhales, he inhales gas that is so hot it burns his whole throat wow like when he goes down on the ground he is severely burnt wow this guy my understanding is that his voice changed for the rest of his life because of this moment oh like it was so and and of course kurosawa and this is this this is what directors do sometimes he said keep filming Mm -hmm. because you know and and this is uh uh, Francis Ford Coppola telling Martin Sheen to keep acting when after he cut his hand right. in Apocalypse Now. This is, you know, but, you know Co- what Coppola said. I don't know what Kurosawa said. Coppola said, if I didn't keep filming that moment, it would have been a betrayal of Martin. Mm. You know, but it's also self-motivated because he wants to get the good stuff in his movie. Right. Uh, and what he says, after the, they finish filming the scene and the firemen are there and they're putting everything out and everyone is mostly okay, except for Rikichi, whose throat is burned. Kurosawa just bursts out in tears and weeps over what happened. Oh, wow. Because it was so scary. And it's, he says it's the scariest moment in anything he's ever filmed. Wow. Was this thing burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heihachi runs up to grab Rikichi and pull him away. And he forces him down. And just as he forces Rikichi into safety, a gunshot. And Heihachi falls. It's so unexpected. Yeah. It is so, because we've won. Yeah. You know, and, and we're so involved in this emotional thing with the wife. Right. And then, bang. And it's the sweetest and the nicest of all the samurai. He's the guy. The most jovial, help, I guess. The guy who's going to help us in hard times. Yes. And Kikuchio, you know, is pissed at Rikichi and yeah. they drag Rikichi and Eihachi away. And uh, and Kikuchio is all over Rikichi. He says, you stupid fool, look what you've done. And he says, she's my wife. Mm-hmm. And drops down. And as Kikuchio... And Kyozo are dealing with that information. Heihachi just falls over, and we know that he's dead. Yeah. Just the the wailing that goes on in that moment yeah. when they're trying to scream for him to come back to life and not be dead, and all, like it's just so painful. Um, so right there, that happiness that we were experiencing in the first few minutes coming back to the intermission is completely shattered by the reality of yeah. what this battle is going to be. It's almost foreshadowing the losses and the pain and the sadness that is to come. I think one of the things Kurosawa does so well, I mean, I think you probably knew going into this that not all these guys are going to make it out. Right. Each one of the deaths that we're going to get hits so hard. Mm-hmm. And they all hit in their own way. 
Mm-hmm. They all because they're really their own people, and you know, it's sort of like I wonder how you, they had the conversation of like, okay, who are we going to kill? Right. Because that's what you got to talk about. You know, and there are lots of movies that are like this where we know we're going to lose a few people. Right. You know, whether it's aliens or Avengers or whoever, mm-hmm. but who are we going to? And I think. They managed to kill people that hit me right in the heart. I don't know if it would have been different if they killed other people, but this one is rough. I don't feel the deaths in Magnificent Seven as well as I as no. powerfully as I feel them here. Nope. You know? No, not at all. But the James Colburn death, certainly the Charles Bronson. The death. Charles Bronson's the, the one that really hits. Exactly. That's the one that most mirrors the death uh, any of the deaths you see in Seven Samurai emotionally. Yeah. But the Robert Vaughn death doesn't mess well, with it's me. Well, co- it's know. a cool death for a badass you know, right. guy who was scared to draw his gun. Right. And then he draws his gun and kills all the guys. And we go, oh, he's won. And then he dies. <laughs> and it's like, that's a satisfying adventure death. Yeah, true. That's true. But I'm not like, noble death. oh, shit. You're right. Not him. No. Right. But Heihachi in this moment. Yeah. And then we cut to the funeral. Yeah. You know? I love the mounds, man. I really, That's a thing that sticks with me all the time, the mounds. And, the, and then... I'm sorry, go ahead, Steve. No, 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 you, that's uh, just what I was To the mounds say. and then having uh, uh, Mufuni stick that sword in yeah. as, a, as a symbol of respect. You know? and, and he's overwhelmed, yep. and the peasants are overwhelmed, and the framing of the shot, this is such an unusual shot. And this is one where the four by three aspect ratio, mm. the verticality of it, going up that hill with the farmers on the right all kneeling and Kikuchio kneeling with the sword and the samurai standing in the upper left-hand corner. Like, the framing of this is just... Yeah. It's so stunning to look up at this image. Yeah. And and that's then Kambe says what I just said. You said he'd be a treasure in hard times. Mm. The hard times have only just begun. And Kikuchio starts to get mad. Stop crying. Stop crying, you fools. And he yells at all of them and then runs off screen. And he runs through the village. And he goes into the, the their hut yeah. and finds that banner. And the wind is blowing, of course. And the dust is swirling. And he climbs up that thatch roof of the hut and plants that flag mm-hmm. into the top of the hut. And the moment, And we're hearing that samurai music as sort of a dirge, as solemn, as slow. Mm -hmm. And then Kambe looks over and sees Kikuchio standing on the hut with the banner and everyone looks up and that music changes and suddenly it's taken over by that trumpet. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it's gone from a dirge to a battle cry. And we hear it and we hear that theme as we never hear it anywhere else in the film. And it ends on that high note. And it is so fucking powerful. It's an amazing film moment. And it's it's so, once again, the pacing and the emotional journey Kurosawa takes us on is so brilliant in this movie. We are happy, then we are incredibly devastated. And because we're devastated, because we loved this samurai, because he chose this samurai, the most jovial of them all, the sweetest smile of them all, because he chose that one to kill, the battle cry works. We are now inspired to see these bandits die. Yeah, you know, and not just brilliant. out of... And they've all come together. Because at the beginning, it's like, well, the samurai here are out of some sense of duty, and this mm-hmm. is the right thing. And the farmer's out of some sense of self-preservation. you know, preservation. Yeah, right. And then we come together as a group, and we actually kind of like each other. Yeah. But then it's through tragedy 
Well, and then even before that, Kambe forces them, you have to work together or I'll kill you. Right. That's the intermission. Then we come together kind of joyfully and as friends and as people who care about each other. But that is what not not what unifies them for battle. This is. Yeah. And I think it's when Kikuchio finally becomes a full member of the Seven Samurai, because even Kambe's look at him is one of pride. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because nobody could do this other than Kikuchio. Right. Kambe wouldn't think of doing it. No. As, as thoughtful as he is and brilliant as he is. Well, there's an, there's a loss of nobility in him having to do it. Right. Whereas Kikuchio makes sense to do it. Yeah. yeah. And what's the next moment? The bandits are coming. Yep. And Kikuchio... He's thrilled. Mm -hmm. He is excited. He's never afraid. No. It's incredible through the whole movie. He's never afraid. And usually characters like this, Steve, are played to be fools that rush in where angels fear to tread and get wiped out. He certainly rushes in where angels fear to tread. Right. But he always finds his way out until his ending. Well, and and that's the thing. There are all sorts of negative things we could say about his character. Mm -hmm. But cowardice is not one of them. Yeah. Not at all. And the samurai get everybody into their post, and we get the first attack. And I think, and I didn't go back and confirm it, I think the order that the bandits attack is the same order that Kambe mapped out Mm. as west, south, east, and north. North being the last. I think it's the same, because we we definitely start with west, which is the fence that Shichiroji uh, built. Mm -hmm. And as the bandits are coming in and sort of testing the fence... We report to Katsushiro their numbers and that they have three muskets. And the bandits get up and they ride away. And Katsushiro runs to Kambe and he gives his report. There are 13 of them. There are three muskets. And Kambe says, okay, good. Take Garobe to the east. Garobe has a bow, bow and arrow. And they head out to the area that was flooded. And a bandit goes out to test the depth of the water. And Garobe smiles because this is the plan. The plan yeah. is exactly right. And he draws that arrow and kills that guy who's testing the water, mm-hmm. and the bandits retreat. Now we're down to 12. Yeah. Katsushiro tells Kambe that. Uh, he says they're 12, and he says, oh, I thought it was 13. He's like, got one with an arrow, and Kambe laughs. Good old Grobe. And he crosses off circles on this uh, map, on this banner, and says, make sure the, east, the bridge is out and watch for muskets. And he runs off, and Grobe approaches and he says, take men to the north. That's where the real attack will be, Yeah, which has always been the plan. And Grobe says, well, if you knew that, then if you knew that was where they would attack, why not build a fence there? And Kambe's response is, every good castle needs a breach. Let the enemy in and destroy them where you choose. You can't win a war by defense. That's a great line. Yeah. And what I, here's, here's the thing I love about this. There are tremendous acts of courage in this film. Mm-hmm. There are tremendous acts of personal skill with Kyozo and, and with Grobe and Kambe. There's definitely acts of that. Yeah. This battle is won by intelligence and strategy. Yes. With, without Kambe's plan, none of that other stuff matters. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And if you look at, like, if you look, I would say most action films today, most adventure films today, the emphasis is always on the moments of personal skill and courage. Mm-hmm. And those are great moments, but much less so on what this is about, which is the plan yeah. and executing the plan as a unit. It's one of the things I love about this film. Yeah. We're with Kikuchio. <laughs> he, he walks out. You know, they're taking apart the bridge. Katsushiro comes up to give him the report. He's like, I know. <laughs> He's like, well, remember about the muskets. I know that too. Yeah. Um, and... 
then we hear a baby crying and up come this husband and wife and they're looking for the old man because he's still out in the mill yeah. and we're out on the bridge that we're going to take down that was going to isolate all these other houses including the mill and Kikuchio lets them go ahead Kambe would not have let them go right and this is one of the mistakes um and Grobe, Grobe and uh, Kyozo head to the north and we talk about how many troops are left and they look at their the, the farmers and the farmers are scared. Yeah. And then they hear Shichiroji uh, who's leading cheers. <laughs> and Gorobe goes, that's a great idea. Hey guys, come on out. Let's lead some cheers. And they lead cheers. And then back with Kikuchio, who's still destroying the bridge, he goes, well, they can't do cheers better than us. We got to lead cheers. I am sure when you were in basic, you yes. chanted stuff, you of yelled course. stuff. Yeah, you want to be the most, and they do that. They make you chant louder. They make you chant harder, more aggressively, blah, 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 to show how devoted or dedicated you are to showing how ready you are for battle. You well, know? And there are studies that if you, <laughs> you know, the fake it till you make it works. If you start yelling. Yeah. The adrenaline starts to drop and you start to not be as afraid. Like yeah. yelling together, sitting quietly by yourself being scared or yelling together as a group are different. Yeah. And so this is definitely correct. And then the horses are coming towards Kikuchio. So he goes and he gets down in safety and he gets good cover to protect himself because that's a reasonable thing to do, right? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> he stands up, goes right up with strides swaggers yeah out onto the to the most vulnerable spot and stands there does does he actually like kind of turn and slap his ass i feel like he, does. he does he does yeah he's very reminiscent of braveheart yeah um and then a gunshot right <laughs> and then another gunshot and he jumps behind cover and they look out and those houses are burning yeah and the mill is burning this whole set, the this was the the farm village was built on five separate locations. Wow! All edited together seamlessly. I mean, this is a huge, huge production, and all built to the most perfect detail. Mm -hmm. Yohei tries to run away. Uh, Kikuchio brings him back, and then um, all the villagers are upset because they look out and the mill is burning. Yeah. And Kambe is there, and he doesn't know what to say. And the a farmer runs up and says, "Get back to your post. Don't worry about it. it's nothing." And that's the farmer who had wanted to desert right. to protect his house. Yeah. Again, even the little stories were going to get a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. But the mill is burning. And Kikuchio goes, well, what happened to that man and his wife and the old man and the baby? Did they come back? No. And Kambe says, stay at your post. And Kikuchio runs away. Yeah. Runs off to the mill. Mm -hmm. Again... You know, these are the lessons he's going to have to learn. Yeah. And he runs out there, and we hear a baby screaming. Yeah. And Kambe has followed behind, and we see a woman, the woman, the mother, come out, cradling her baby. Mm. She holds the baby out to Kikuchio, and then she falls into the stream. Right. This moment is shattering. Absolutely. Um, because they're both marveled at the fact that she was able to survive the spearing, which we find out yeah, she was in the exchange. Uh, Kambe picks her up, puts her over his shoulders. But Kikuchio absolutely shatters here because finally what we had been building to throughout the entire movie is the mystery of Kikuchio. One foot in, one foot out. We assumed 
His family had been killed by these bandits. He was a farmer, blah, 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 who wanted to be a samurai, wanted to be a bandit, maybe. Something. Finding some kind of purpose in the world, some kind of meaning in the world to try to take revenge. When he holds that baby, all of it disappears. And it's very reminiscent to the moment in Ratatouille when the critic eats the food for the first (laughs) time. He goes all the way back to being 10 years old. When he holds that baby... I started crying. Oh, yeah. The only time I got emotional watching the movie this time around was when he held the baby and he just broke down. And he said, this baby is me. This is me. And there is so much weight in holding that child for him. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible to see him reduced to that moment. And it's, and it's authentic. It's not played for laughs or jokes or of too much emotion. It's played for real honesty in that moment. I think it's maybe his... Well, no, I'm, I'm going to change what I'm going to say. It is his most honest moment throughout the film. Agreed. And 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 so much of everything else with him is all about him wanting people to think certain things about him. Is that he's putting forth a front? Yeah. And I and the reason I pulled back a little bit, I was like, well, is it honest when he says stop crying or when he right, right, right. runs up to the top of the hut with the banner it is but even stop crying is he's crying right he's talking to himself so there's still like this complexity within it Mm -hmm. and most of the time he's going no i'm a samurai no i'm brave no i'm smart no i'm qualified no i'm all these things right and a lot of them are not true and in this moment this baby is me Mm -hmm. that is the real truth yep that is so and you see it on Kambe's face and you see as he's holding that kid and said this is what happened to me yeah and the thing that I think that I don't think we know, was his family killed by bandits or samurai? I don't know. Right? I don't know. I'd feel you could say it was bandits, which is why he wanted to become a samurai, not a bandit. But I don't know. But he also knows all the horrible things he samurai does. do. He does. You know, so he's witnessed that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think we and, and one of the things about this film is like we can say the bandits are bad people. Right. But we can also say there are a lot of samurai that are just as bad. Yes. You know, Certainly. and Kikuchio more than anybody knows that. Right. You know. The moment's just stunning. And then there you know, we kind of have this shot of the wagon wheel of the of the water wheel. Yeah. And then we wipe and it's later. And Yohei is at his post, and there's just just another amazing shot of Kikuchio in the foreground. There's a fire behind him, and he's surrounded by all the farmers, all with their spears, and the spears almost form a circle. Mm. And it almost looks like the spokes of a wheel to me, with Mm. Kikuchio sort of at the hub. It's just, again, just beautiful. And we're waiting. We're waiting for the bandits to come. And we think, he thinks he hears something, and no, maybe he didn't. And then he gets up, and he throws some fire out. And suddenly we see, it's almost like in Aliens, yeah, yeah. where suddenly you see the aliens are coming in. That's kind of how it looks, yeah. of them coming up through the fence. And Kikuchio grabs the sword. They kind of fight the bandits away and scare them away. Don't think we kill any of them until we see Yohei. Right. And he has a look of total <laughs> frozen terror on his face. The camera is with Kikuchio as he walks to the end of Yohei's spear. And we see at the other end of his spear... Yohei killed the dude. Yep. That's awesome. Killed the bandit. And again, we go right from a hugely emotional scene to a really funny moment with Mm -hmm. Yohei. Now the bandits are attacking the fence and climbing over, and the farmers are lying and waiting and attack. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, Shichiroji's post, and they kill the bandits as they try to escape. And it's a lot of farmers against just a few bandits. And it is brutal. It is not romantic. It is... This is what happens when you invade our village, mm-hmm. and we will wipe you out. 
and Shichiroji is spearing one through the fence. And by the way, his form, which we see him use this form many, many times. We see it when when they found the hidden armor and Shichiroji throws a spear out towards the farmers and we see it now. This dude is trained. That is a very specific <laughs> spear thrust that I recognize, uh. and it looks powerful and scary. And he has done it. You could see in the way this guy's done it. He's done it ten thousand times. Yeah, yeah. And no one's wounded. Wounded. We did it. And then they smell gunpowder, mm-hmm. and everyone takes cover, and one peasant gets hit. Oh my God! It's Monzo. Monzo got hit. Are you okay? Are you okay, Monzo? <laughs> it's like a flea bite. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. Bring me Shino. <laughs> uh, more bandits are getting killed in the water, and Rikichi is there killing and enjoying it. Yep. And Kambe says, stop. You don't have to chase them all down. And it's, that's far enough. We've won. Who are you? Because he doesn't even recognize him. Right. And we see Rikichi turn around, and he is crazed. Yeah. Yeah. And completely, motivatably, correctly so. Mm-hmm. Kambe crosses off more circles. And now he says they've attacked from the east, west, and south and run away with their tail between their legs. This is the only approach left. We don't know when they'll come, but when they do, they'll mass their forces. And I love the look. They look down the pathway, which is lit by fires, by these big bonfires. Again, beautiful. <laughs> and Kambe is confident this is going to be the focus of the attack. Right. Um, and he's going to prove it. And here comes Katsushiro with basically a samurai scarecrow, and he's running to bring it to Kambe, and who steps in front of him but Shino. Mm -hmm. And there is a moment, and she steps towards him. It's a long lens shot, so it sort of compresses space. And then they circle around each other. He runs forward out of frame. She follows and runs up into a close-up. Beautifully constructed shot. And he joins the other samurai with a dummy, and... Kambe gives him some instructions and he leans that samurai out and there's a long pause and bang. And then I love that the camera is on that samurai dummy and it drops down to the earth and then the camera and the camera tilts down and follows it. And then he drags it back Mm -hmm. to Kambe and the camera goes with the samurai and then back up to Kambe. It's Mm -hmm. a great, great shot. And Kambe's like tomorrow morning, they'll attack with everything they've got and we'll let them in. And the farmers are like, what? <laughs> and he, now we hear the plan. We let them in one at a time, or maybe two, and then we close up with a spear wall, and we can take them out one at a time yep. easily. But there's one problem. The big problem is the muskets. Yeah, three muskets. There are three muskets. Um, and Rikichi runs up and says, I'll get them. And Kyozo says, no, you are wanting to die. I'll go. And boom, he's gone. Yep, into the fall. Yeah. Remember what Kambe said to Kikuchio about leaving his post? And yeah. Apparently, if you're Kyozo, it's cool. You just you you know he's going to be all Totally right. fine. Yeah. So he heads off, and Katsushiro wants to go. He's like, no, no, you're not going. It's the next morning. It's foggy. It's quiet. Katsushiro is anxious because- Can't Ki- sleep. Can't sleep because Kyozo's been gone for a long time. And he says, I hear footsteps. No, you don't. There's no footsteps. No, I hear footsteps. And Kame's like, no, you don't. You don't. Wait a minute. I hear footsteps. And then they look out in the fog, and there's a long pause. And he emerges from that fog, almost like Omar Sharif appearing in the <laughs> desert. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's great. And you just go like, ah, oh, there yeah. he is. A great. And the look, point. and he, he just walks up to Kambe, hands him a musket, and says, two more. <laughs> and then walks off to go to sleep. And the look on Katsushiro's face, the... 
the wonder and the respect and the, I mean, it is pure admiration. Yeah. It's reverence. Totally. Total reverence. Mm -hmm. And Kyoza, what's he doing? He's leaning up against the <laughs> He's thing. Just trying just to sleep, man. Trying to go to sleep. And Katsushiro's staring at him with a look of total, as you say, reverence. And Kyoza opens his eyes like, what do you want? I'm he trying goes, to go state to your business. State your business. <laughs> he says, he says, you are a magnificent person. Hmm. Person. Yeah. Not even a samurai. Yeah. Person. And there's kind of a reaction from Kyozo, and he says, I've wanted to tell you for a long time. And then he walks away, still kind of looking back, almost like the look of love. And I love this is a moment where it's like, how are you gonna play it? Yeah. Just the little smile. Yep. Because and I love the smile because the smile's like, oh, he's not inhuman. Right. He actually that did kind of Tickle him yes. a little bit. We hear galloping hooves and instantly kills us up and ready. And here they come and, he, and we give the order. We're going to let one in. And they do exactly that. They let one horseman in and they block the rest with spears. And again, you know what I thought about? Braveheart. Yep. Braveheart. Like you can't charge those spears mm -hmm. all pointing at you. It makes perfect sense. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. And uh and you see how this strategy works. Suddenly it's one bandit up against a shit ton of of farmers with spears and a couple of samurai. Right. He's in, and they wipe him out. We go, "Okay, let's let another one in." And the bandits charge and the samurai chase and we hear a gunshot, but we're okay. Um and the bandit leader calls for another charge. We're like, "Okay, another one come. We're going to send you another one and here they come, but two get in this time." Yeah. And Katsushiro charges and almost gets hit by the horse. These battle sequences are really crazy. I don't know how they got away with this stuff. Well, I'll tell you one of the things. So first of all, these are really dangerous. Yeah. Second of all, I feel they're shot in a totally modern way. That feels like handheld and close shots. Mm. And it's not just kind of a setup perfect shot of the thing. It's very chaotic. Um, the editing is great. Mm. But the other thing that's really helping is long lenses. Because long lenses compress space. So, you know, like the classic thing is if I'm in a fake punching you in the face, well, if I'm in a long lens behind me, I could be three feet away from you and you right. won't be able to tell the difference. If I'm in a wide lens, then I have to be really close to you in order to make it work. There's a lot of long lens shots. Yeah. So shots where you see the horses going right by someone, they're actually, it looks like they're inches apart. They actually could have been feet apart and we wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Outside, the farmers are chasing back the riders. And there's this one horse that is rearing and kicking at yeah. them. That, again, looks really, really scary. It's a scary thing. And that, and that rider goes through. And the rider is sort of slouched. And we're going, oh, wait, is the rider dead? Is the yeah. horse trying to kick the rider off? Is that what's happening? And then Kikuchio tries to attack. And the horse moves. And that, that guy falls off the horse. Mm -hmm. And I love Kikuchio's line. Have you trouble with your horsey? <laughs> now it's later. And we say... They're not going to fall for that trick again. And they look out in the quiet woods, and there's a wipe. And Kambe says, that little skirmish got them four. And we add that to Kyozo's two, and we cross out six more people, mm. and then we're down to 22. This is going great. Yeah. I think that's how you really feel at this moment. Like, wow, this is, we haven't had any, bit since Hachi, yeah. there hasn't been a real cost of this. Kambe's plan is working really well. This is going to go really well. And then Katsushiro is talking to Kikuchio, sort of reclining in a tree. And he's, he's basically going, that Kyozo guy, he's great. 
He's like the real deal. He didn't boast. He walked into a wood filled with bandits as if he was on a mushroom hunt. <laughs> so I don't know if mushroom hunts were a big deal, but apparently, and I'd love to share Mufuni's response. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm not bored at all, I swear. <laughs> yeah. And Katsushiro is a little grumpy by this, and he walks away. And Kikuchio, who's been like trying to sleep this whole time, suddenly his eyes pop right open and he sits up. Because mm-hmm. he was really listening. Yep. Because what does he want? He wants that admiration. Yeah, he wants the adulation. Yeah. He wants someone to think of him the way that they think of Kyozo. Yep. And he goes over to Yohei and says, who's trying on some armor, and he says, you're in charge. And he leaves his post. And he heads up into the again. woods. Again. Yeah. And this sequence is so great. Mm-hmm. And so, and even though I'm going like, Kikuchio, don't leave your post. <laughs> like, Kambe is the boss. You got to talk to the general. The sequence is awesome. Yeah. He runs up the hills. He comes up through a bramble. We see him through a branches. And we're, we're kind of, the camera's like up at a tree. And we see him in the distance. And we see him walk across around. And then we see him get to the tree that we're in. And then he climbs up the tree. And the camera pans up with him so that he's just in the foreground. And now we're seeing the horses in the background. Right. It's a really, really cool shot. And what we see is a bunch of bandits running to their horses. And suddenly, a gunshot. And one of them goes down. And the other guy manages to get on his horse, and he starts riding away. And then another gunshot, and he goes down. And Kikuchio's going, what's going on? And up comes our head bandit, and he says, if anybody else tries to run, this is what they're going to get. And he pulls out a sword and starts chopping at one of the dead bandits. Mm -hmm. And we suddenly know, like, oh, not all is good with our bandits. Right. And they go away, and Kikuchio comes down and trades his bandana for this guy's kind of half helmet, which fits him perfectly. And the music is very different. Uh, and then he runs down his down the hill, and we get a great another you know shot. There are a lot of buns in this movie. Yes, there are. I remember the first time I saw it, and I found that it was weird, you know, because <laughs> it's just not something we see in American yep. film or American world. And it's just such a. I think it's great because you just kind of like at a certain point you just go, eh, yeah, whatever. Everyone's got buns. <laughs> um, and then we see one of the musket bandits, and he's sort of obviously on a, as a lookout or a, a you know a sentry. And he's one of the things that's so interesting is how they fire the musket, which is they had a fuse that was always lit, and then they would touch it to the touch hole. Huh. It was because they didn't have the abrasive spark making technology at this point. Right. So I don't. This wasn't called. This is before a flintlock. This is called a matchlock, I think, not a flintlock. I think someone could correct me. And we hear someone say, "Hey, you know what's up." And he goes, oh, you know, he starts talking to somebody. He hasn't seen who it is. It says, man, the farmers are a pain. And the person he's talking to comes down. And, of course, it's Kikuchio. Right. This moment is awesome. Yeah. I love this scene so much. Because the guy, without looking at who's sitting next, he just assumes it's a bandit sitting next to him. And they start talking about, you know, it won't be long now. And and Kikuchio just reaches over to look at the musket, as you do. And the bandit says, everything's upside down. They they burn us out, and we starve like farmers. And Kikuchio quit, says, quit your moaning. There are better times ahead. And he pulls out his long sword, and only then does the bandit look over. Right. Go, who's this guy sitting next to me? And then, oh, shit. <laughs> and he runs away, and Kikuchio cuts him down. Yep. It's so funny. He's done everything that uh, Kyozo has done in less amount of time. Yep. And in his mind, he thinks he's bested Kyozo by doing it quicker and getting that musket. Well, Andy does it in his own key. Kyo- yeah. Like, Kyozo True. would never do this. He couldn't no, do this. No, no. Like, Kyozo would just wait. He would just wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is like, 
you know, this is guile and and also fun. Yeah. Like Kikuchio wants to he he thinks this whole thing is fun. Yeah. You know? And then we cut to we're back at that sort of border and Kambe gets up and they see Kikuchio and he's being chased by bandits and he kneels down to fire that musket, which just knocks him over. <laughs> and then he runs back and he's laughing and he's smiling and Kambe is pissed. Yeah. He calls him a fool. Why did you leave your post? And Kikuchi was like, I got the musket. And he says, don't scold me. My post is fine. Which, by the way, it's not. No. And Kambe says, there's nothing heroic about selfishly grabbing glory. Uh, listen to me. War is not fought alone. And this is the... You know, it's funny, you know, I said the thing about strategy winning this thing. And yeah. It's not... A, this is what Kambe's saying. It's like this. It's actually not about hero, hero, heroism or individual mm -hmm. valor. It's mm -hmm. about the team and working together as a team. Yeah. And Kikuchio throws the musket away. And that is when they hear yelling because the bandits are coming in. Yep. And it's right through Kikuchio's post. And Grobe and Kyozo go to block the road and we hear a musket and a single a single bandit comes in and Kyozo takes him on and they push the others back. The bandit that Kyozo wounded gets through mm -hmm. and who attacks him? But the women. Yeah. That is scary. When they come out screaming with their, you know, farm implement, their hose raised their mm -hmm. you don't want to face that. Right. It is rough. And then at that moment we see a, a bandit mounted on horse with a bow and arrow. Right. And this guy is gonna be scary. And he shoots at Kyozo, who dodges it, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then there is just chaos. And Kikuchio is yelling, damn it, where is Yohei? Because he's blaming Yohei for letting right. these guys in. Right. It's like, no, dude, you were supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, Yohei? Mm -hmm. Like, he's the guy who's going to be in charge? And the archer kills a woman. Yeah. And then kills another. By the way, firing arrows from horseback, I've always thought is one of the coolest Mm. And looks like one of the most difficult things you could possibly imagine. You can't really die from the arrow, can you? Until, like, unless it hits you in the heart. Like, getting a shot in the back, you don't die immediately. Depends on where you hit it. I mean, it depends, really? on, it depends on the poundage of the arrow, first of okay. all. So one of the interesting things, my understanding of Japanese archery yeah. is it's a fairly light bow. Is that it's a, like, particularly the really long bow. It's really long, but it's not a heavy pull. Still powerful. And as opposed to, like, if you had, like, the Welsh... Uh, crossbowmen or, or the welsh archers that won the battle of agincourt yeah those bows were like you know 150 pound pull wow i, I made up that number so like you and i could not pull this bow back There's wow no way i mean so yeah they would kill you no question about it yeah, yeah, yeah. so like you know it's any any projectile going into your body it, of course it depends on where you hit but if it hits you in the gut yeah you're gonna die right. at that time with that medical stuff oh yeah these things will kill you yeah you'll die eventually you don't die on on impact. It's just, it's just like a bullet, right? Depends on where you hit. It hits yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it can it could go right through your whole body, depending right. on the weight of the bow and the sharpness of the arrow. Right. That is Steve's uh, bullshit account of <laughs> archery. That is what I believe. I felt I said it with a lot of authority. Uh, you did. Let me pull it back. I a just little deferred bit. to you, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Karen sometimes calls this Morris voice. <laughs> yeah, it speaks knowledge to me about my, it. It, my, it makes you believe that he knows my, my, my sister and my dad had this voice too. <laughs> so sometimes you have to go, hold on a sec. <laughs> um, um, but yes, that archer is wreaking havoc. Mm -hmm. And then Yohei gets hit in the back yeah. by the archer. And here's the thing. He says, the last thing he says is I defended my post. Yeah. Now he's wearing armor. 
and the 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 arrow goes into his back. It's ill-fitting armor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we ever see Yohei again? No, he's done. He does. So, so does he die? Yes. I, that's what I thought too. Um. So yeah, and then Kikuchio goes kind of nuts. Yeah. And says shoot me, and he grabs that archer, rips him off the horse, and kills him. Yeah. But that archer did a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. A lot of damage while he's in there. Another horseman is surrounded. We attack from all sides. We hear another musket. And Kambe tells Shichiroji to take over. And, he, and, he, and the three other samurai run to the other side where we're hearing the musket. And Kikuchio, Kambe, and Katsushiro are in frame. And Kambe yells, Gorobe. Kambe and Katsushiro go out of frame to the right, leaving Kikuchio alone. And I, and I think it's the way it's framed that they slowly go out of frame to the right, that we hear Gorobe, that we suddenly go, oh shit. Right. And again, it's a different way that we see the death because then we cut to the, the farmers with Gorobe lying on a, a, a you know, a, yeah. a stretcher or whatever. A makeshift stretcher, yeah. Yeah, with his head towards us, kind of tilted backwards, and they're carrying him like pallbearers yeah. at a funeral. Mm hmm. And Kikuchio drops to his knees, and we know that Gorobe has died. Right. And it's handled totally differently from Heihachi. Oh. Still killed by a musket, mm-hmm. but it is just brutal. It's also the first penetration of Kambe's stoicness. Stoic. Yes. Where he legitimately lets out a emotion and yep. sadness and screams of pain at the death of Gorobe, who's been his sergeant, right, for... A number of battles, isn't no, it? No, right? no, no, no. Garobe, she, she, the other... Garobe is his second command. Okay. The guy he just met who said, surely you jest when he came to the door. Gotcha, that's Garobe. Yeah, gotcha, she, gotcha. Shichiru, she, we had to ask the name of the guy whose name I can't remember. Shichiroji is this kind of the guy gotcha. I'm calling the sergeant. So, yeah, so Garobe is the Are you, are you, okay. I don't know if, okay, all right. Well, what's your question? My, I think Garobe is the sergeant, but then again... No, no, you're right. He's not. He's not. You're right. I'm sorry. Yes, Garobe. So Garobe is the guy who comes and says, you had to be kidding. But they become fast friends. That's what it is. Instantly. That's my connection. Sorry about that. Yes. This is why I go like, that's why I've kind of gone like Shichiroji is more like a sergeant. Yeah. Because they're not at the same level. Right. They can't be buddies. Whereas Garobe and him, they they like read each other's minds. Right. This is like, as opposed to, you know, it's like there's a lot of people you've worked with a lot over the years. So right, it's right. not your best friend. That's Shijiroji. They've right. shared a lot together. But they're, as opposed to the person who you're instantly simpatico with, that's right. Garobe. Right. And I think Heihachi was supposed to be a treasure in hard times because of his personality. Right. Not because he was a particularly good warrior or particularly useful in terms of battle. Right. Garobe, that's different. Right. This is the guy. If Kambe gets killed, Garobe takes over. Right. Now there's no who's going to take over. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Kyozo, maybe. Yeah. You know, like that. He's not a leader; he's a great swordsman, right? You know, and so I think you're right. This really does hit, mm-hmm. and it's later, and we're at the burial mounds, and Kikuchio is alone at the burial mound again, weeping. Kambe crosses out more circles. We got 13 left. Katsushiro is kind of wrecked by this whole thing, yeah. and they look around at the farmers who are exhausted, and Kambe knows that, and he's kind of going. So he's talking to Kyozo, who's kind of saying, "Well, what what's going to happen?" And Kambe says, next time they come, we'll fight to the finish. Better to fight it out before we're spent. Yeah. Because he knows the farmers are doing great, but they're not going to last. Right. Like, they don't have the training or the practice. Or the endurance. Or the endurance to to do this. 
And Kyozo asks when they're when when are they going to attack? And Kanbei does his calculation. He goes, "Well, they're exhausted too. They won't come tonight, but they are out of food. They're losing men. They have to come soon. I sail to come at us like hell tomorrow morning." Mm-hmm. And they look. He calls to Katsushiro, who's asleep. He repeats his name and he says, "Height." And there, we go to a long shot of Shichiroji and all the others. And Katsushiro comes and he says, "Okay, here are the orders." Leave two people to guard each the defenses, and everyone else can go home in shifts and get some rest. Yeah. And Shichiroji knows exactly what that means. Oh, so the big attack will come tomorrow because he's an experienced uh, soldier. And he goes to Monzo and says, hey, you go home first. Take a good look at your daughter. Well, I mean your son. <laughs> and everyone laughs. And we see Kambe as Katsushiro comes back, and he tells him to get some rest. And he asks about Kikuchio, who's still behind the grave. And Kanbei rubs his head. Katsushiro, by a fire. And there's Shino, now dressed as a woman. The music plays. She moves away from him towards this hut. He moves forward. She backs up. We hear the flute playing. We don't need words. Yep. It's just beautiful storytelling. She goes into the hut, looks out from the door, and then disappears. And he walks into the door. There's the fire in the foreground. And he steps in and closes the door behind. And she says, Are we all going to die tomorrow? And he said, There's no way to know. But we might. And he nods. Mm. And she embraces him. And they fall down in the hay. Again, saying the shot is beautiful is redundant, mm. but but this particular shot is beautiful in a particular way. We're inside this hut that is lit from the outside, yeah. and it has slats between the sticks or whatever, so light is coming through from the outside. So playing on them are these lines of light that is coming from the outside, but the light is firelight, so the lines of light are not solid and still, but they're flickering and moving. And then they're lying on hay which also is in lines, but the lines don't line up. They're not parallel or perpendicular with the lines of the light. And so you have all of these lines across these two figures that are lying on the ground, you know, in this romantic moment. And it is, I don't know any shot that looks like this. Mm -hmm. It is just an amazing, amazing shot. And I want to take a moment here to tell you kids something. (laughs) (laughs) There's a right time and a wrong time to have the first time with someone sexually. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. Desperate in the middle of the forest with emotions raging all over the place is not the right time to do it. Quietly, powerfully, uh, in a place where you're both in the same emotional wavelength, that's the time to do it. And that's the difference between the time she wanted them to do it in the forest versus this where they're both uh, very much their gender roles. Like you said, Steve, her dressed as a woman, him dressed fully as a samurai after battle. She opens the door. She invites him in. It's a softer lovemaking process that mirrors the emotions that are going on here versus the the mania that would have been the process and the fumbling around and the stumble, and it would have been completely unsatisfying that would have happened in the forest earlier. So this is the right time. This is the right time. Okay, because yeah. you at first I thought you were saying that this was the wrong no, time. No, this is the right time. Because certainly they're overwhelmed by emotions and there's a whole bunch of crap going exactly. on Exactly, but 
but they are in the same place. Well, and the thing too is like what she says of like, we could all die tomorrow, right? Yeah, right. That's also sort of the right time. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, we're on the same page here. Right. Um, Ray Charles said it best. The nighttime is the right time. Nighttime for making love is the right time. Yeah. The the bandits about to attack time is the right time. That was the original lyric. Yeah, it was the original lyric. But it was it didn't fit. I'm a big Kurosawa fan. <laughs> Ray Charles. Uh, okay. okay, it went a little weird there for a moment. That's fine. It works. But what else is weird is that Monzo right now is looking for oh, his daughter. Yeah. And what's so funny? Because I'm watching it with Karen, and she had seen it a long time ago, but not recently. And she went. At this moment, went oh no, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, Kambe and Kyoza wake up to the farmers laughing and having a good time, and they got a big jug of something. And some happy farmer walks up and says, "Hey, you want some of this?" And Kambe's like, "What is that, sake? Where'd you get Where'd sake? You get sake? Been holding out, you little farmers." <laughs> um, and he just smiles and goes away, and then comes yeah. back with a tray of some delicacies, I assume, and. Kambe goes, yeah, Kikuchio was right. They were holding out mm-hmm. a bunch of stocks and stuff. Offers some sake to Kyozo. Does he drink? No. Dude's got to lighten up. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, Look, the guy's awesome, but I don't really want to hang out with him. I, I feel <laughs> like Kyozo has a past where he's done oh, all really? this stuff. Oh, really? And so he oh, knows what works for him and what doesn't now. Well, actually, you know, Musashi Miyamoto didn't start off as some, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he had to be, he, he was a wild, crazy, angry dude. Yeah. And then became the person that he became. Mm-hmm. Monza's still looking for Shino. Um, and what I like, too, is he sees a couple, a man and a woman, who run away. Obviously, they're going off to have sex. Right. Which is a great foreshadowing. And Kambe goes to Kikuchio with the sake. Offers her to him. No response. And he says, this is hardly like you. You must rest for the battle tomorrow. And Kikuchio takes the jug and just pours it down oh, his mouth. Yeah. Uh, Pours it down his gullet. Yeah. Monzo continues to look for uh, Shino, comes to a bonfire. Shino! Shino! Sees the hut. Out of the hut comes a very... A new man. A new man. A man. Atsushiro comes out. Yeah. Monzo's in the foreground. He sees Monzo. Breeze. And just the... I mean, that's a real oh shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Of course. I mean, in any circumstance where you walk out of your girl's room and there's mm-hmm. dad is a problem. When you're a samurai the night before battle of the dad who made his girl dress as a boy in order yeah. to not have sex with the samurai who he didn't trust. And you see the samurai there and you know the battles the next day. And guys like Kambe and Kyozo are your, are your mentors and you know what this means. Like, that is a big, like, yep. oops. <laughs> and then I love that Shino comes out and she is... I can only describe as coquettish. Yes. Because she doesn't see dad yet. She's just like, I love this person. She's lost this in the love. Totally in it's the her moment. first time. Of right? course. Yeah, and yeah. and, and it is, she is in this romantic, lovely moment, and she looks over at Katsushiro, who's like, <laughs> look over yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, terrible. And Monzo goes nuts. Yep. <laughs> Calls her... Terrible names, a tramp, wench, begins to beat her, screams at her. Everybody wakes up. Kambe arrives. And and he's, Monzo's really going at him. Yeah. And Kambe says, stop this brutality. The whole village is watching. And Kambe throws Monzo down. He sees Shino weeping in the mud. Monzo calls her a slut. And Kambe looks between the two. 
and says, tell me what happened to Monzo. He says, you mentioned a samurai. Who was it? Monzo doesn't say anything. Combo looks around. Shichiroji enters and says, hey, Monzo, because he's the closest to Monzo. So come on, right. speak up. Nothing. And then Kambe sees Katsushiro, who's looking down. And what I think is so interesting in this moment yeah. is the music is the droning peasant mm-hmm. music from the beginning. Right. I have a lot of thoughts on why he chose this music at this moment. Okay. Um, my feeling is that at the beginning of the film, there was a harsh separation between the peasant and the samurai right. that we had overcome. And now that ancient separation has completely returned. Mm-hmm. That they are the peasants and they are the samurai. And the samurai are here to rape our women and take whatever they want. And that is the moment we are back in right now at this moment. Right. That's what I feel. Yeah. It's so, I, I liken this to the moment where there's the gunshot before Akaba. At in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, yeah. The whole plan is now possibly destroyed because right. the action of these three people. Right. Is that the, 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 we have these two groups coming together before Aqaba. We have these groups of the peasant and the samurai who have come together mm-hmm. to fight the bandits. And that is now completely separated in this moment. Yeah. It's great to see Katsushiro uh, in the foreground in uh, almost bathed in darkness. Yeah. Everyone else is in light. Yep. Because of how he feels, right? He is yep. the darkness that has come now to deflower Shino and possibly ruin this mm-hmm. uh, relationship between the two, the farmers and the samurai. And, the, and they're trying to talk to Monzo going, look, this, sometimes this happens before big battles. Yeah. You know, remember what it's like to be young. And Monzo's having none of it. Yeah. He's, he turns away and says, I can't forgive them when my only daughter becomes damaged goods. Oof. Which we, in a modern sensibility, could have a, have even stronger opinions right, about right. that statement. But even in 1954, you know, this was a truly terrible things to go. And then there's Rikichi, who says, "What's wrong with you? Two people in love. It's not like the bandits took her. It's that's the finally. Yeah, someone gets through the Monzo. Yeah, and it is Rikichi because Monzo is ashamed at that moment for having done what he did because." of Rikichi's pain of having had his wife love taken from him. Well, and this is, in, in a weird way, this is the first, yes, he said, that's my wife. Mm. But this is the first sort of open, Yes, he hasn't spoken right, since right, that right, moment. Right, right, right. And he never talked about his, I don't think he ever talked about his wife in the village. It's not just that he didn't talk Maybe. about it with the samurai. He doesn't talk about this. And now he's saying, you could be me. Yeah. Like you don't under, this is I'm in the real pain. Right. Like you you the bandits could have taken her and been raping her for two or three years. Could yeah. have taken Shino. Imagine yeah. if that had been your loss. This is obviously young people in right, love. Right, right. And I think like I used to have, because I think he loved his wife. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's the moment that kind of saves us. Yeah. And Monzo looks down, and the beautiful shot of Monzo profile in the foreground and Shino, you know, in the dirt mm. in the background. Um, and we cut to the fire. And we stay on the fire for a long time, hearing the sound of Shino weeping. Mm. And then the fire just starts to dim. And at first, we don't even understand what's happening. Is time passing? Is what, what, what is this? And then we realize that it's begun to rain. And to me, the rain is the sadness that's coming. The tears, this is coming. It's, to me, it's foreshadowing. Because rain, a lot of people connect rain to uh, sadness or depression or melancholy. Sure. And this is what's coming, the, putting the fire out. Yeah, it's it's great symbolism. Yeah. It, it, it's beautiful, and it's the next morning, and this is in the rain, 
and the samurai are kind of walking through. Hmm. And now they go like the wound up tight. We need to loosen them up. And then Kambe does a thing that's, again, you see a different side of leadership. Hmm. Like we saw his soft side. We saw his patient side. We saw his hard side, his scary side. Hmm. And now he turns to Katsushiro and says... You know, we expected too much of you. Last night, you became a real man <laughs> and slaps him on the back and makes a joke and everybody laughs. Mm-hmm. I think I think he totally chose to make his this kid feel completely uncomfortable yeah. and publicly embarrass him in order to make everybody laugh and loosen him up. Yeah. I think this is a great leadership moment. And it wasn't that nice to Katsushiro. <laughs> and it shows this other smart side of him. Yeah. And Shichiroji sort of gets everybody up too. And Kikuchio is putting swords in the dirt. Why do you need all the swords in dirt? I yeah. can't kill five samurai with just one sword. Right. Kambe and Katsushiro and Kyuzo draw swords. And there are 13 left. And he says, we'll let them all in. Yeah. Once they pass the point, we close in the front and all sides at the crossing. And everything is riding on this battle. It's time to roll the dice and gamble. And there's a great profile of Kambe as they scatter, and here come the bandits. They do exactly that. They let everybody in. Mm-hmm. Kambe with his drawn sword. Uh, Kikuchio yells, here they come. And this, it's all so brutal. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so, and, and we should say that this was supposed to be shot in summer. Oh, wow. Supposed to be a nice, comfortable summer shoot. And yeah, they'd be wet, but it would be warm Mm -hmm. and it would be muddy. And yeah, they're wearing not very much clothes and just sandals, but it's going to be okay because it's going to be summer. But they go over budget and they go over schedule. This is the middle of winter, below freezing. Every night, the, the mud would freeze solid. They would bring out all their lights just to soften up the mud. Wow. But people are, that means the water is cold. Yeah. The people are wet. There was frostbite. A lot of people lost toenails, including Kurosawa. Wow. This was, and this went on for over a month, this shoot. Holy shit. In the worst, most painful, most difficult conditions. Because every one of these shots is complicated. Yeah. I mean, you might get one or two of these shots a day. If you want, you know, 50 people running around and cameras moving and bandits and violence and rain and all this stuff, like, it takes... I mean, just setting up a, like, I'm going to dolly in on you might take me an hour in this room with nobody else. You know, setting up, you know, 100 people and movement and all this stuff takes forever. And so they are shooting this, and every morning is get up in the freezing cold, be wet all day, and shoot violent, difficult action sequences in the mud. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, Lords of Arabia, 120 degrees out in the desert, you know, Jaws, the shark's not working over and over again. Hurricanes come to apocalypse now. Like... This is one of those shoots where it's like, man, yeah, it's amazing, but I wouldn't want to be on it. Hmm. Kambe goes on the attack. Kikuchio tries to attack and falls. Shichiroji with his spear that he's so good at. Close shots, shots through the hooves. Kikuchio's big sword breaks and he immediately grabs another one. So good thing he had those extra swords. Yeah. Uh, Kambe orders them east and they head off east. Kambe and Kyozo go east. Kambe draws an arrow. Like, I love his archery. Yeah. I don't know if he practiced, but he looks great. We see another bandit go down, shot by an arrow. Kambe shoots another bandit in the other direction with an arrow. Kikuchio, with with his sword, is falling and fi- flailing and fighting. Another bandit falls off the horse and runs dragged through the mud. I mean, there is absolute chaos going yeah. on in this battle. And we do see bandits going down, but we also see some of the farmers going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bandits, once they get knocked down, they're just desperately trying to escape yeah. and being hunted down. 
And then we have a shot from inside the women's hut yeah. that are waiting. And they watch and they scream as bandits, including the leader of the bandits, come into the women's hut. Kikuchio is running through the mud, cuts one guy down, attacks another guy on a horse who spins. Great long lens shot through the horse's hooves. Mm-hmm. The horsemanship is amazing. That's oh, yeah. the other thing. Yeah. And we also have to say that my guess is the uh, ASPCA would not say that no animals have been harmed. <laughs> this is at the time where they would hobble horses, which means they tie their legs together, oh. where they do these nasty falls with the horses. Some of which you see with the horse and the rider go down brutally, and the horse does get up and seems to be okay. But my guess is... Yeah, they, they hurt some horses in okay. this movie. Kyozo takes another guy out, and there's this moment of we did it. And Kyozo's moving forward, and a gunshot. Chaos and silence. Mm-hmm. It all goes really silent right after this gunshot. And Kiku, Kikuchio looks over and is stunned. Yeah. And Kyozo draws his sword and goes to you think he's going to keep fighting and he throws his sword and falls into the mud mm-hmm. and katsushiro is there and sees it and it is gorgeous yeah and katsushiro is wigging out absolutely loses it totally loses it. right he hasn't lost it on any other death this is the one he loses right it, right and i think we do too yeah 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 of course you know? and kikuchio goes and attacks because we know now that that it's a lead bandit he's in the hut with yeah. the women he's got a musket and he goes to attack and there's another shot and Kambay starts to, tries to stop him yeah. yet again yeah. from going forward with his emotion too much and boom he gets shot and you think oh this is it and he climbs back up because yep. he's a feral animal yep. he's going to fight to the end and he walks in and Steve this is beautiful to me For as sure. a person who's you know has a tendency to want to battle. I love this nobility of this moment of him standing up, walking into that hut, and that bandit is doesn't know what to do because he shot him. He's supposed to stay dead, and he walks right up to him, takes his sword out, stabs the bandit in the heart against the wall, and then dies. And then dies. Ugh. Well, and the shot noble too, death. The shot is from the outside of the yes, hut. Yes, right. We see him on the one side of the hut, and then the camera is tracking left to right as he goes inside the hut, seeing him through the window, through yeah. the breaks in the walls, through more window, and then comes out the other side as he kills him. Right. So in addition to being a great, and this is again why this is a great film, is that is it? it is a perfect great character moment. It is a perfect climactic ending to the violence of the film. Yeah. It is our character dying in the moment of killing the big, huge bad guy. And it is gorgeously constructed and filmed. And how ironic is it that Kikuchio gets to kill the main villain. Yep. If this is an American version, there's no way, well, Yul Brenner doesn't kill the main bad guy, Eli Wall. There's just no way that doesn't happen. It has, in, but in this Japanese version, Kikuchio is the one that does it and not Kambe. And not Kyozo. Not Kyozo, right. Yeah. yeah. I actually think, well, it's funny. Like, we're, we're going to obviously talk about influences, mm. but one of the movies that keeps popping in my head is Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, yeah. Is there big, huge team films in which I feel in many, many ways we have satisfying resolutions to a bunch of people. A couple of people die. Yeah. Not as many as I expected. Um, and you do have, you know, I mean, who if we were going to cast the Avengers as Kambe and Kikuchio, yeah, yeah, right. who do you cast? Right. Kambe is Captain America mm-hmm. and Kikuchio is Iron Man. Yeah. You know, and who dies defeating uh, Thanos? 
right. is Kikuchio. Right. You know, is the more wild character who needs to have the redemptive moment, mm-hmm. who needs to show, you know, and, and what do we worry about with Kikuchio? Is he going to really do, be able to do what a samurai can, needs to do? Right. What do we worry about Iron Man? Is he going to be able to be self-sacrificing and honorable and all those things? And so in terms of character arc, Seven Samurai is absolutely correct. And of course, so is Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shit. If you haven't seen it, it's two and a half billion dollars. I got no sympathy for Those you. Those people who are both Cinephiles fans and have not seen Avengers Endgame, that is a very small a Venn small diagram. Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Katsushiro yeah. runs into the middle of the space, covered in mud, and says, Where are the bandits? And Kambe says, All dead. And Katsushiro falls to his knees, screaming and weeping. To me, and I don't know if I'm right here, Steve, but to me, Katsushiro goes through two rites of passage here, right? He comes into the film. 100%. Wanting oh, yeah. to be the samurai, right? Have, and, and wanting to be as noble as these, and have the experiences and have the all this. He has sex with that with Shino. It's probably his first time as well. Oh, yeah. I would imagine. So he's a man. Now being unable to avenge his, in essence, what he had almost in his head created, a pseudo-master or pseudo-family uncle, like we had said, right. uncle's death. He cannot avenge this death. He is now fully a samurai. He has survived his battle, and he has survived his battle being at time, being in this battle, being unable to avenge a death that will haunt him going forward. I, I, I will take it f- even further than okay. that. I mean, although, first of all, I will say that having sex the first time does not, in my opinion, make you a man. Well, sure. But, but that know, is in the traditional... Filmically, it's... In the traditional it, yeah. sense, yes. Yes. But I think he came from a pretty sheltered background. Yes. I think he came from a background where samurai were samurai, and they're supposed to behave like this. Right. I think he was filled with a bunch of romantic ideals about samurai and battle and honor and all this stuff, and probably about you know who you're going to marry, which would be a nice samurai lady and all that stuff. Right. That was what he learned. And I think he came and he found out who farmers were when he mm-hmm. threw the coins down. Yep. He gained sympathy, which I don't think he had before. I think when uh, he, he comes out and sees how the farmers work and how they fear them and meets Kikuchio, his whole worldview is being transformed. Yeah. I think he sees Kyozo and comes up with this ideal, but then he has romantic ideals about how battle is supposed to go mm-hmm. and the good guy is supposed to win and the heroic guy is supposed to win. And then people get killed, not in some amazing sword battle, right. but by a musket. Randomly. Randomly. Yeah. And so I think, and then, and yes, even the love story is not, which we'll find ro- out, is not romantic and blah blah blah. It's right. it's, it's complicated yes. and and not you know and fumbling and awkward and mm-hmm. strange and and then to have these moments of the the dual death of Kyozo and Kikuchio, I think yeah. hits him really powerfully. Great point. Yeah, uh, is that all of that has been shattered, and I think it is in some way surviving the battle and having all of your illusions shattered. Yeah, and yet learning new things about what honor really is and what courage really is and what humanity and compassion really is. Mm-hmm. That is what has made him a man. Right. That's what right. I think. It's ironic. And you go back to the point where he's uh, with them, Kikuchio and uh, Kyoto, when they're killing those bandits. Right. He's watching them. So he makes a connection to the two different 100%. sides. And so to see both those sides die yeah. within seconds of each other, yeah. what's that like? Yeah. And we are left. And I think when I first saw it, this is the first moment that I went, I'm looking at Kambe, mm-hmm. Shichiroji, and Katsushiro and go, oh, that's the only ones who survived. Right. It's, the only, it's only three samurai survived. Yeah. And Kambe turns to Shichiroji and says, once again, we've survived. 
And the, the look of relief and fear and pain mm-hmm. and sadness and exhaustion on them is amazing. Um, we fade out. It's the next day, and the farmers are back to farming. They are doing their dance. They are planting the rice. Rikichi looks happy. Yeah. I think that's one of the most amazing things in the film. It's closure. He has, he, I think he is going to have another wife. Mm-hmm. I, cause, yes. Because if you had asked me in the, in, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago, is Rikichi going to be okay? I would right. say, no way. Right. That's, he's dark and angry for the rest of his life. But maybe he isn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's okay. Um, and the three samurai are standing proud and watching all of this. Very formal and very separate. Yeah. And Kambe sort of looks down at Rikichi, who turns away, and they walk to the graveyard. And we have the three samurai in the foreground and the hill of graves in the background with the four mounds of the dead samurai with four swords in them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Great visual, man. Incredible. And the girls are running by with like a pole carrying things towards the field. And there's Shino. And he steps in front of her. And she stops. He moves towards her. And she moves past him. Yeah. She doesn't speak to him. And he turns and he follows out of frame, leading, leaving Kambe and Shichiroji alone. And there's sort of an o- over the shoulder to Katsushiro in the foreground with the samurai in the background. And we see their POV of Katsushiro. And this is all handled silently. Mm-hmm. And there is a close up of Shino who's singing and planting, but she is not looking at Katsushiro. Yep. And Shichiroji looks at Kambe. And they wait, and they look down, and they say nothing. And then Kambe says, in the end, we lost this battle, too. And he says, what? And he says, I mean, the victory belongs to those peasants, not to us. They look at the burial mound. That's amazing. It's a great ending because also the way what happens with Shino and... uh, Kikuchio, oh, no, I'm sorry, which, uh, Katsushiro. Katsushiro is mirrors what Ka- the moment Katsushiro had with the samurai armor, and she comes up to him, and he moves past her after that pause. For exactly the same right? moment. It's reverse, where she is now in power and back in her life and doing what she's doing, and he's left out wondering what to do next. What he did. But once again, another rite of passage. What they told him at the beginning, when they have that moment in the first section of the movie where they're all sitting around, they're talking about the life of a samurai, what the real life of a yeah. samurai is. He's experienced it all in a microcosm. Battle enemies that are alive, none. Uh, wives, none. Loves, things of that nature. All of that, and he is now, this is the samurai life. So I wonder if Katsushiro goes back to being the rich kid or stays the samurai or even stays in that village trying to be with Shino. But it seems like that romance is over. It was what it was, and now it's done. It's funny because you just kind of quoted Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah. And at the end of Magnificent right. Seven, he joins. He, he goes to the girl. Yes. It's very clear. Like, I'm going to stay with the girl and right. be one of the farmers again. And, of course, in Magnificent Seven, that kid grew up a far- as a right. farmer. Right. He's more like Kikuchio in right. that sense. And that's the end. And then we have, you know, uh, Steve McQueen and uh, Yul Brenner head off. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it is ambiguous. Yeah. We don't get to see what happens next. And when I was young, I was certain that he left with the samurai. Mm-hmm. And watching it now, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what he does. I mean, I don't, I think Shino has kind of said, you're not going to have a life here. Right. Um, I think she's saying it's done. 
Well, and like, is Katsushiro really fit to be a samurai? I mean, right. I mean, I'm sorry, fit to be a peasant? Right. I don't, I don't know. But it's like something you try in your 20s. You're like, you really did. And then something happens and you go through the experience and you decide whether you want to be that or not. You know, when I left the military, I could have stayed in for another 12 years. Sure. I did my eight years. Could have stayed, but I knew when it was done, I knew it was done. I right. didn't want to be that. And that was in my 20s, and I well, was, didn't want to be that. And certainly the romantic notions of what it means to be a samurai for Katsushiro, they're gone. They're gone. No, he knows what the real deal exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, right. And the Magnificent Seven ends in an uplifting way. Right. They're off to the next battle. These two, are, it's, you're feeling the weight of what's happened here. Well, and I think this is a much more, you know, I mean, you're a veteran, and if you mm. talk to veterans of wars, even if you talk to veterans of World War II, yeah. we could say, well, we, it, was, it was good that we fought that, we won the war, but the scars of the people who fought in the war are no less painful yeah. consider, because of the fact that it maybe it's a little less painful, but it's still like, it's still rough. Mm-hmm. And so Kanbei and Shichiroji and Katsushiro, they're going to carry those scars for a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, the peasants will too. But they're going back to their life is their life is to plant and yeah. to grow and to live their lives. Kambe's life is to look for the next battle. Yeah. You know? Or the next meal even. So we've reached the end of this epic exploration of Seven Samurai. Uh let's talk a little bit about reception. This was a huge, huge uh film. And it wasn't just huge in terms of lo- making lots of money, although it did. It was a huge, I think it's a transformative movie in the history of film. Um, it was a phenomenon in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, you know, this is this is when people were going to see foreign films. And in the mid-50s, one of the things I find so interesting about this movie is that uh, Kurosawa is hugely inspired by John Ford. And, there, and there's massive Western influences with the music, the way it's filmed, the storyline. And definitely, when I say Western influence, both Western filmmaking, but also the genre of the Western. Right. But then Seven Samurai influences the Western. You know, in return, I mean, obviously Magnificent Seven, but all sorts of films looked at Seven Samurai in terms of their structure, in terms of the way it was filmed, in terms of the kind of stories and violence that a Western can tell. And you see it throughout Western filmmaking from that point forward. And I think the influence, you know, obviously we talked about Magnificent Seven. Another film we've talked about, The Dirty Dozen. Yeah. You know, that is influenced by Seven Samurai. Every action ensemble film, we just talked about Avengers, is influenced by Seven Samurai. There's so much of this film, Peckinpah, Lord of the Rings, oh, yeah. on and on and on. That, Wild Bunch, yeah. Yeah, Wild Bunch is hugely influenced by The Seven Samurai. I mean, this movie... Rogue One, yeah. Total. Rogue One's another yeah. perfect example. Right. Particularly Rogue One because it's so tragic. Yes. You know, is that it really... Uh, and yet, I still feel that Seven Samurai... As much as I love every movie we oh, just sure. mentioned, sure. Seven Samurai stands above and beyond above mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. It's a remarkable movie. Okay, John, I hate to do this to you. <laughs> Do you have final thoughts on Seven Samurai? Yeah, I mean, rewatching it again for the movie, and I can never, oh, for this show, I can never rewatch it enough. Nothing will ever supplant Citizen Kane as my favorite film ever made, but Seven Samurai is the only film that's ever come close to threatening it. Uh, because of the concepts of nobility, even as they show you the actual brutal truth of battle, the brutal truth of heroism, the brutal truth of cowardice and all of that that can occur in the human condition and both the positives and the negatives that occur uh, for people who need to be saved what and how complex it is. And it's not as simple as, please save me. Yes, I'll save you. No, there's so much more that gets involved. All of it gets explored here in such, um, I don't know, emotionally honest and vulnerable detail that sticks with you 
when you're done. And when the movie is over, you feel no sense of relief or joy or happiness. You feel as if you yourself have survived this battle with the uh, uh, villagers and the farmers and with the samurai, and you yourself have to take time to process that. And I think that's what's so incredible about this film. Visually stunning, very well acted, emotional beats that resonate with you, and lessons that you can take with you, ironically, in your life afterwards. Um, And you never get bored. It's three and a half hours, three and a half hours, and you never get bored. It's very hard for me to sum up my feelings about this movie. I, but the thing, the word that keeps coming back to me, I mean, we, we, we've talked about it's beautiful cinematography, it's great performances, it's wonderful editing, it's amazing set design and lighting, it's, yeah. it's structure, it's writing, all of those technical aspects of filmmaking. And we talked about how in terms of action and structure that it's very influential without the world. But the, th- the thing that keeps coming back to me is its humanity, Yeah, is that it is a deeply human film and that it has deep compassion for all of these characters that are very different. And it and all of these characters have their arcs, whether it's Rikichi or Kikuchio or Katsushiro, they all have to go through things. They all have to learn things. And even Kyozo, who's held up as sort of this kind of samurai ideal, is still a human character. Mm. You know, Heihachi and Gorobe, Yohei. Shino. Shino. Her like all, well, yeah. all of these people, and and if you if you just watch the frame and you watch each of these characters, even if their background, you see how filled with life and reality they are. And so again, I go to the thing that was uh, Kurosawa's goal, which was to do an entertainment, which it is that is about something. Mm. And I think for me, that's kind of what I've always wanted to do. You know, is that I'm, I, I, there are popcorn movies that I totally like, and I'll totally go through a, you know, an action film and be thrilled. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark maybe being one of my favorite examples of a movie that is just wonderful and thrilling and joyful and awesome. Mm-hmm. But it isn't particularly about something, you know. And Seven Samurai says, no, we can do a movie that is thrilling and exciting and adventurous and funny and is about something yeah. where we have lessons to learn and lessons that I think. This, like any great film, is one that you can watch over and over and over again. And every time you watch, you get something different out of it. So that's what we think about Seven Samurai. We definitely want to hear what you think about it. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for The Cinephiles. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or YouTube and leave your reviews on iTunes. They're still really important. Leave your comments on YouTube. We love to read them. You can support the show on patreon.com slash the cinephiles. We're releasing more and more shorts on there. We just released one on Rise of Skywalker. I think we're going to record another one right after we get off the mic here. So subscribe to patreon.com slash the cinephiles to hear those you can um buy the seven samurai or any other show we've ever reviewed on cinephiles.net you can uh reach me on twitter at sr morris on instagram at sr morris one john where can they reach you you can always reach me at the roca says on twitter and on instagram and please if you don't mind i'd love it if you came over and subscribe to my youtube channel which i am just fully dedicated to now uh www.youtube.com slash john roca says not the roca says john roca says uh and there'll be more uh stuff coming down the pike for that content small reviews of older films things of that nature so there'll be 
be a lot of stuff coming on. And Steve and I have talked about him coming on and doing occasional episodes on there as well, or live streams as well. So please go and subscribe. There'll be a lot more content coming down the pike. And of course, Cinefiles also has its very own Twitter feed. We have at Cine underscore files on Twitter and on Instagram, the Cinefiles podcast. Subscribe to those as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that is it for this week. We will be back next week for a commentary track on Yojimbo to finish off the month of Kurosawa on the Cinephiles. <laughs>